0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Worship Center in Brighton, Michigan. We hope you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit faithworshipcenter.org. If you have your Bibles here tonight, you can turn with me to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter... Six. You can turn me down just a tad bit. Thank you. Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. The Apostle Paul said, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted again brethren if a man be overtaken in a fault you which are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of meekness considering yourself lest you also be tempted now in the latter chapter in the in the latter part of chapter 5 we see what the Apostle Paul was dealing with. He was dealing with those who are led by the spirit and those who are led by the law. Now, anytime we're studying scripture, it's always important uh, to look at it in context because without context, somebody can take any verse to mean whatever they want it to mean. And so it's so important to know uh, what's said prior to when something is said and 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 I, they, they, there's a, an expression uh, called the interrogating of text uh, basically means anytime you 're studying scripture, you should always be asking questions who what when where why who said this, why did they say it who did they say it to what was said before it was said what were the circumstances surrounding the writing because it 's always important to understand the context and so when you go back to chapter five, you see that paul he was dealing with those who were led by the Spirit, which as you know those who are led by the spirit are those who are uh, trusting in the fi- finished work of Jesus Christ, which allows the fruit of the Spirit to come up, come about in their life. And Paul, he also dealt with those who are led by the law, which is uh, speaks of those who have faith in their works, which leads to the works of the flesh manifesting in their life. And so in context of that, with that context in mind, Paul, uh, he makes these uh, statements to begin chapter 6. He says this, he said, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Now that word if there, he said, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, uh, the word if is it a su- in a subjunctive mood, which is the mood of possibility, which means that this is a possibility that most likely will happen. If a man be overtaken in a fault, you could also say since a man will be overtaken in a fault. Now the word man there is really, it's used in a general sense it could be a man who's walking in the Spirit, and it can also be a man who is living by the law. It was a general expression. Even those who are walking after the Spirit struggle at times. Even those who are walking after the Spirit have yet to come to that place of perfection because we're li- still living in this imperfect world. And so Paul said, when a man is overtaken in a fault. Now, That word uh, overtaken there, uh, it means to take before, to be caught, or to be overtaken. Again, to take before, to be caught, or to be overtaken. Now, it really implies that one is overtaken by a sin without any premeditation to do that sin. Again, the word here overtaken here, it really implies somebody who falls into sin without any premeditation of that sin. So this is not somebody who is perpetually living in sin, but this is somebody who has been overtaken uh, in a sin. It says if any man be overtaken in a fault, which can also be translated as a trespass, which literally means a false step a false step. The word picture uh, is that of walking on a narrow path or a cliff and then stepping off of that path or stepping off of that cliff. Uh, maybe you've gone hiking before and you stepped off of the trotted path and you said, well, maybe I'll take this other path. And when you take that other path that is not, hasn't been walked before, there is that risk that you could possibly take a wrong step and fall off of that path. Some of you are, some of you could miss your step by getting off track. I remember when I was in uh, Honduras years ago, probably seven or eight years ago, we went to these uh, natural uh, hot springs there in Honduras and uh, they're beautiful hot springs and, and we took a day to relax and me and another friend of mine, you, you wouldn't expect that this would happen on a mission trip, but you know, sometimes you got to relax and have a good time. But we went there and they had these, these stairs that went down and then there's this large gap and then there was a railing that you could jump over into the hot springs and so I was getting ready to do this because I was really interested to see if I could do it. He got run downstairs, and then he got jump out over. And I remember I was getting ready to do it, and there was some Honduran girl off to the side that was, like, shaking her head, no, like, don't do it. Because somebody in the past tried to do that, and when they w- went to run down, they missed their step, and they got badly injured. So then I thought to myself, well, maybe I shouldn't do it. But then another friend of, friend of mine decided that he was going to do it, and then I said, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And so I did it. You had to run down, and then you had to jump out over this railing into the hot springs. It was about five feet deep. So right when you landed, you had to compress. But thank God I didn't miss my step. Amen. (laughs) But the idea here, it's, it, it's the idea of somebody missing their step. It's the idea of walking along a cliff. And so often you hear in various different states, in Washington, where they, they have great cliffs. You'll hear stories all the time of people that try to get too close to the cliff, and then they end up stepping off the cliff, and they end up dying as a result. Now, as a child of God, our Uh, intention should not to see, should not be to see how close we can get to the edge without falling off. Uh, A lot of people ask themselves the question, how close can I get to the edge? How close can I get to the world? How close can I get to sin without falling away from Christ and falling away from my relationship with God? But as a child of God, we should not think about how close can we get to the edge. Our mindset should be we need to get as far away from the edge as we can be because God's got a greater plan for my life. God's got a greater purpose. And the cost is too high. The cost is too great. There's no time to play. Play play around with sin. And the Bible says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. Now, this is a very important statement here because Paul here, he specifies... Those who are able to bring restoration to those who are overtaken in a fall. He said this, he said, you who are spiritual, which literally means that you all are the spiritual people. Now, the word picture here is like looking at a large group of people and then pointing out a specific part of that group and saying, you are the spiritual people. You are the spiritual ones. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, which tells us that not everybody in the church and even within the body of Christ are truly spiritual. Not everybody in the church are spiritual. Spiritually minded, that word spiritual literally means a person of the spirit or one who lives by the spirit and walks after the spirit. And so not everyone who is saved is spiritually minded. And there are some when they see a brother overtaken in a fall, they're ready to, to hammer them and bury them in the sand. And Paul said, it restores such a one in the spirit of meekness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Now, that word restore there, it means to make complete, to put in order, or to put back together. Again, to make complete, to put in order, or to put back together. And the word picture there is like putting a broken bone into place, and then putting a brace around it until it's fully healed. When you see a brother overtaken in a fall as a church, we've been called to restore them. Our desire should be to see them brought uh, to completion, to be a support, to be a brace. The Bible says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, and we need as many laborers in the harvest field as we can possibly get. So many people, they, they're ready to, to, to attack, they're, they're ready to point out your fault, they're ready to point out your failure, and, and you know, as a child of God, for me, I'm not looking for fault in individuals. I realize we all have faults, we're all imperfect people, and not going to church because there's imperfect people is like not going to the gym because there's people who are out of shape. That's who the gym is for. That's who the church is for. The church is for imperfect people. The church is for messed up people. The church is not a museum uh, for perfect people. It's a hospital for the lost, the hurting, and the broken. It's for people that are messed up. We don't want perfect people walking in here. The Bible said it's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick. Jesus said he didn't come for the self-righteous. He came for those who realized that they were unrighteous, in need of a Savior, in need of washing, and forgiving, and cleansing. That's who Jesus came for. In order for us to receive the righteousness of God, we've got to be ridded of self-righteousness, and we've got to realize how desperately we are in need of the grace and the mercy of God every single day that we live. Amen. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, which really the idea there is gentleness. And so it's the the thinking that I could walk away from this fallen brother, but who I am, who am I to do that? I am the one that received grace, and therefore I will extend grace to my brother just as the Lord has has extended it to me. Again, it's the mindset when you see somebody overtaken in a fall that you could could say, "I'm, I'm able to walk away from them. I'm able to shun them. I'm able to distance myself from them. But who am I to do that? I am the one that have received grace, and now I am responsible to give grace to whom much is given, much is required. When you've been given mercy and you've been given grace, you are now responsible to give more mercy and more grace to other people. Sometimes I think that we treat the unsaved people better than we do the saved people. We tell the sinner, you know, once they come in the doors, you can be saved, you can be washed, and, and we embrace them. But how do we treat a fallen brother, those who we think that they knew better? I've shared the story before of Eutychus and how... Eutychus was on the third story of a building. And you might ask, why is is his name Eutychus? Well, Eutychus too, if you would have fallen three stories off a building. (laughs) Lord, forgive me. And so he's in the middle of, of, of Paul's preaching and the Bible said that he falls asleep in the middle of Paul's preaching and he falls down three stories. In other words, he had one foot in the church on one foot out of the church he was in the he was in the window he had one foot in the church and one foot in the world and he fell down and he died in the middle of Pauls preaching and everybody said he's dead they said, he's over. The ushers were going up, getting ready to scrape his body off the concrete, but Paul the apostle, he stopped where he was preaching, and he ran out to where he was, and he was. He said these words, he said, there's still life in him. All the people said, he knew better, he shouldn't have one church in the world, one foot out of the church, he's over, he's done, but Paul said, there's still life in him. And I've come to prophesy to somebody here today, the devil has told you, you've, you're over the world has told you you're done your family has written you off but god is saying there's still life in you there's still life in the plan and the purpose and the call that i have for you there's still life in you there's still life in the dream in the vision that god has given to you there's still life in you hallelujah don't quit don't give up there's still life in you hallelujah Maybe you've been overtaken in a fault, and the devil has come in with condemnation. Can I just remind you here tonight that condemnation is never of the Spirit of God for the child of God. The Spirit of God will never bring condemnation. You see, condemnation is hell's agent to drive you away from God, but conviction is the Holy Spirit's agent to drive you closer to God. And so there's such a a, a fine line between conviction and condemnation. There's a thin line between being condemned and being convicted. When the adulterous woman was found guilty of her sin and the religious world were there to stone her to death, and they asked Jesus, what do you say that we do? You know the story Jesus said, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And the Bible, Bible said one by one they all began to drop their stones right. because they realized that they were just as guilty, if not more guilty, than the adulterous woman. And so you see here where Jesus did not condemn her and he did not condone it either. He said, go and sin no more. Hallelujah. He didn't condemn her and he didn't condone the sin. He just said, go and sin no more. And so maybe you've fallen and maybe you've failed and maybe you've messed up. You know what Jesus is saying? Go and sin no more. Get back up by the grace of God. A righteous man, not an unrighteous man, a righteous man falls down seven times, but he doesn't stay down. He shall rise again. It's time to get back up. It's time to brush off your feet and it's time to go forth in the mighty name of Jesus amen God he still has a plan for you he still got a purpose for your life we've been called to restore such a one in the spirit of meekness in the spirit of gentleness it says considering ourselves lest we also be tempted now when he said consider yourself yourself lest you also be tempted He was basically saying, take a look at yourself, lest you be overtaken by the same temptation as your brother. Again, take a look at yourself, lest you be overtaken by the same temptation of your brother. Have you ever met somebody who they were just on the offense and they're just tearing down another believer because of what they did? And they said, you know, can you believe so-and-so? Can you believe what they did? There's supposed to be a man of God. She was supposed to be a woman of God. Did you hear about her past? The devil is one to bring up your past. And the devil, he'll use people to try to bring up your past. He'll use people to try to bring condemnation in your life. That's not the spirit of God. And you ought to tell those people the truth shall set you free. I've been washed. I've been cleansed. I've been forgiven. I'm a born again child of God. I know who God says that I am. I am redeemed. I am healed. I am delivered. I am whole. I am born again. My sins have been cast into the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west. And devil, the blood of Jesus Christ is against you. Hallelujah. Satan, the blood of Jesus Christ, is against you. You have been restored. You have been made whole. You are a child of God, and God still has a plan and a purpose for your life. But how many times have you seen something, seen somebody say, I would never commit that sin? Peter, he said, I will never deny the Lord. I will never deny Jesus, and not only that, but he denied Jesus multiple times, and how many of you have said, I would never do this, I would never do that, and then you find yourself doing it, and how many others have said, I will never do this again, and then you find yourself doing it again? Paul, the, or not Paul, but Peter, the very sin that he said he would never do is a very sin that he committed, And so Paul said, be careful, restore such one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself. We ought to take a look at ourselves. I think that the more we look at ourselves and we realize how much we need God's grace and how much we need God's mercy, the more grace and mercy we'll show to other people. Some people say that if the church was perfect, then nobody would get offended. Well, I beg to differ. If the church was perfect, people would walk in here, and then they'd feel like they can't live up to the perfectionism, and then they'd be offended. (laughs) We're all imperfect people, and so Paul, he said, consider yourself lest you also be tempted. And then he said this in verse 2, he said, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. In other words, come under them and hold them up as they deal with this issue. Bear one another's burdens. Again, come under them and hold them up as they deal with this issue. Can I tell you something here tonight? You need the body of Christ, you need church. The Bible says to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. It's not out of just religious check marks and and duties. No, it's because you are a part of a body. You are a part of the body of Christ. And we're there to bear one another's burdens. Amen we're there for one another we're there for those who need support we're there for those who need strength we're there for those who for those who need encouragement paul said bear ye one another's burdens so fulfill the law of christ now the law of christ is speaking of god's agape love his agape love first john chapter 3 and verse 16 by this we know love Because he has laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. John chapter 13 verse verse 34 and 35. A new commandment I have given to you. That you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples. If you have a title. If you call yourself a Christian. If you have a position, if you have a talent, if you have a gift, if you can sing, if you can worship, if you can preach, no, if, if they love one another, yes. by this they shall know whether or not you are my disciples, by whether or not they love one another, the true agape love of God. <clears throat> I think that we need uh, in the church to preach on the love of God more. Sometimes I want to say things, and I'm not sure if I should say them. <laughs> I think I'm going to say it. Amen. But I, I got attacked, you know, a while back. And you know, when you're in ministry, you got to be ready for you got to be ready for attacks. Amen. You got to be ready ready for uh, people to get offended. Um, it's been well said. If, if you're standing before a thousand people and 500 people love you, and 500 people hate you, congratulations, you took a stand for something. Yeah, that's true. You'll never be able to avoid offense with everybody, and people will always be offended. People will be looking for something, and I believe the more influence you have, the more critics you'll have. Mm-hmm. Sure. The first best time to forgive your critic is before it happens. The second best time is right now. Critics are gonna come, but the important thing is not to allow that criticism to get to your heart, Or allow that criticism to interfere with what God has called you to do. But I remember I put out something about the love of God, how uh, the love of God is the answer for the broken home, for the drug addict. It's a powerful tool that will tear down barriers and rebuild what's been broken. And, you know, somebody out there, I won't mention their name because it's not worth mentioning their name. But they attacked me and they said, the answer is in love, the answer is in the cross. Can I tell you something here tonight? You cannot separate love from the cross. The cross is love and love comes through the cross. Amen? Amen. So don't automatically assume just because somebody doesn't say cross, cross, cross 50 times in their message that they're not, coming from that foundation. The cross is a foundation of the entirety of the word of God. So whether someone's preaching on love, preaching on joy, preaching on blessing, preaching on leadership, preaching on discipleship, preaching on prayer, preaching on fasting, it doesn't mean that they're not preaching the cross. It doesn't mean that they've changed their message. You've got to preach the whole book from Genesis to Revelation. The foundation doesn't change, but you build upon that foundation with every verse and every principle found in the word of God. And if somebody out there wants to get upset because you're preaching on something from this book, directly from the book, it's straight in the book. You got to get back into the book. If somebody gets offended, so be it. I'm going to preach what the word of God says, and I don't care what they have to say about it. The love of God. First uh, John chapter 4 and verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. God is love. God is love. God is love. Amen. God is love. Amen. I feel like I need to say it again. God is love. Hallelujah. So when somebody's preaching on love, it doesn't mean that they're not preaching the cross. Now, I know that there is a worldly and a fleshly understanding of what love is. But I'm going to give my brothers the benefit of the doubt because I know their foundation. And so I'm not critiquing and waiting and looking for them to slip up and say something just the way. I didn't want them to say it not perfectly the way I thought it had to be said. No, that's where grace comes in. You grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And you can't just listen to one person, uh, one message from an individual and, and make a, a complete assessment of their ministry. It takes time to hear their preaching, and it takes time to hear their teaching to really know what they believe. Really Amen. Yes. Amen. You know, you, you could preach a message on, on, prep, uh, on fasting or prayer, and, 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 and somebody, that's the message that, that somebody hears, and, and maybe you don't happen to hear the, the word cross, not intentionally, but they automatically assume that you're not preaching the cross anymore. That's immaturity. As a child of God, you've got to understand that's always the foundation. And you've got to give the benefit of the doubt to those who you know are established in that foundation. And we need to preach on prayer. We need to preach on fasting because it's all in this book. Amen. Yeah. Jesus didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. Jesus, he gave the Lord's prayer in his word for a reason. And, and it's there for us to preach on it, amen? It's there for us to explain it and expound on it. A man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, amen? The love of God. It says, God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. Hallelujah. The love of God was demonstrated to us through the cross of Jesus Christ. But God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so the only way we can truly love our brothers and sisters in the Lord is through knowing, believing, and abiding. Meaning to remain and to stay in the love that he manifested to us personally at the cross. That's how you abide in the love of God. That's how you dwell in the love of God. It's, it's knowing, believing and abiding in the love that he manifested to us. It's the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. Sometimes I think that people view God as somebody just looking over them, waiting for them to zzz, zap them anytime they mess up. Think a wrong thought? Zzz turn on the wrong television program. zzz, is like a little bug zapper. Zzz, zzz, zzz. No, that's not Christianity. God is love. God cares for you. God doesn't want you to live in perpetual failure and defeat. God sent his son, Jesus, to give you victory in every area of your life, to make you an overcomer in every area of your life. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Hallelujah a conqueror is one with a decisive victory and not only did he say you're a conqueror one with a decisive victory but he said you are more than a conqueror through jesus christ your lord hallelujah and so god is love and he that dwells in love dwells in god and god in him and then in verse three galatians chapter six and verse three he said for if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Again, for if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And then he said in verse 4, he said, but let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. Now, going back to verse 3, the idea here is that when somebody thinks that they are a quote unquote 10 out of 10, 10 being the best, when he is reality a zero, he deceives himself. In other words, he's believing a lie about himself. So when somebody thinks I'm a 10 out of 10, when they're really a zero, they deceive themselves. For if a man think himself to be something, When he is nothing, outside of the grace and mercy of God, we are nothing. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. The Bible says the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things, and and that none are good, no, not one. There is absolutely no righteousness in it of ourselves, but all of the righteousness comes through the blood of Jesus. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. He's believing a lie about himself. God, help us to stay humble. God, keep us humble. Lord, remind us of how desperately we need your mercy and your grace every single day. Every day that we live, we need his mercies. It's by his mercies that we are not consumed. His mercies are new every single morning. Hallelujah. I said it Sunday, good things happen at midnight. Because at midnight, it's already the start of a new day. And his mercies are new for you every single morning. Every morning when you wake up, God's got fresh mercy for you. And you want to know why God gave you fresh mercy every day? It's because he knew that you would need. Why would God give you fresh mercy every morning if you were something, if you were a 10 out of 10? If you had it all together, you wouldn't need mercy every morning. You might need mercy once a week or once a month. No, God said we need his mercy every single morning. Every single morning, we need God's mercy and we need God's grace. And then he said in verse 4, he said, But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not uh, in uh, another. And so the idea there is don't compare yourself with others. Because the result will either be pride, thinking that you're better than others, or condemnation, that you're not as good as others. So Paul is saying here, don't compare yourself to others. Because if you compare yourself to other people, it's either, number one, going to breed pride, where we think that we're better than other people, or it's going to breed condemnation, where we think that we're not good enough, we're not as good as Uh, Other people. And so Paul here is saying to focus on your own relationship with God and to love others the same way that God loves you. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16 says, Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, continuing in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Two more verses here. Verse 5, for every man shall bear his own burden. In in other words, everyone is responsible for himself before God. Every one of us are not responsible for anybody else's walk. We're responsible for our own personal walk with Christ. And then Galatians chapter uh, 6 and verse 6, it says here, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him uh, that teaches in all good Things, Or in other words, let him who is taught the word share in all good things uh, with him who teaches. And so this here is referring to materially and financially supporting those who teach you the word of God. Singers and musicians can come back here tonight. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teaches in all good things. And so Paul was telling them that those that... We're teaching them that God was using to minister uh, to them to share uh, in all good things. How many of you believe in blessing those who bless you? Amen. Anytime we have people come in here and minister the word of God, one thing I'm thankful for is that we have been faithful. You have been a faithful church to bless the people who come through. Amen. Amen. I've never had somebody come through, minister the word of God, and think, man, I wish we could have taken better care of them we take good care of our people we want them to be blessed those who bless us we should bless back amen Amen. when when a preacher a spirit-filled preacher preaches the word of god to you they are delivering their heart to you delivering their what's in their heart what's in their soul and and it's not a nine to five job but it's a 24 hour a day seven days a week job It's a calling. It's something you live every single day. And so we ought to bless those who bless us. Amen.